Buying a home is an important milestone. Find the right realtor and the right listings for your needs at todayshomebc.com. Powered by Black Press Media. With easy-to-use search filters and direct links to realtors and their websites, you'll get all the information you need to find your perfect home. Search hundreds of local listings and get access to the top real estate professionals to help you find your perfect property. Get started now at todayshomebc.com. Welcome to Off the Page, a weekly podcast produced by the Comox Valley Record. I'm Erin Halschuk, a journalist with The Record. Join me as we take a deeper look into the people and stories within the Comox Valley. Sean Wood is the founder of the Emily Ann Foundation, an organization which bears the name of his late wife with the goal to help terminal cancer patients over the age of 18 to provide accommodation for family members while a patient undergoes treatment and to facilitate final wishes. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Erin. In late March, you officially incorporated the Emily Ann Foundation. For those who may not know, and some of those who may have known you almost a decade ago in the Comox Valley, can you tell us a little bit about your story and your late wife, Emily? Yeah, absolutely. Quite a long story, so I'll try and keep it, you know, as simple and short as I can here. I mean, the basic gist of it is me and Emily met in 2002. We became high school sweethearts. The biggest story starts with her illness, which really started transpiring near the end of 2011. And a lot of people might remember this story from about 10 years ago. You know, it was quite prominent all over the Comox Valley and the and Vancouver Island in general. But just before Mexico trip uh, in August of 2011. Uh, she knows some lumps on her neck, which we didn't think too much of. Uh, we went to the doctor, thought it was fine. So we went to Mexico. Um, and then finally in December of 2011, we finally, you know, these lumps hadn't gone away. We were getting very concerned. We finally convinced her doctor, you know, let's test this. Let's treat this, find out what's going on. So she had some biopsies done. And then very beginning of January of 2012 is when we found out that she definitely had a very aggressive form of lymphoma which really was debilitating. So she immediately started chemotherapy. We did outpatient at St. Joseph's Hospital. And then unfortunately, the chemotherapy wasn't working. So at that point, it was decided that she'd be transferred to Vancouver. We went to St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver, which she spent basically the next about four and a half months in St. Paul's. And I tried to be there the best I could for her. I was trying to run a business at the time. I was in college and I spent as much time as I could in Vancouver that's really where the struggle started. That's when I started to realize there really wasn't a lot of support out there for people in our situation. You know, someone over the age of 18, I had to do things like sleeping on floors. I had to sleep, you know, in my car on the street. I spent a night in Stanley Park. I couldn't afford a hotel. I had no access to food, to showers, a lot of amenities that most people take for granted. In May, we found out that chemo just wasn't working. She was resistant to it. There wasn't really much else they could do. They presented two options to her. One, you could stay in hospital, do chemotherapy, radiation, potentially buy her a couple extra months. But it really came down to a quality of life. Her other option was to go home and spend her last days with her family and friends and be surrounded by loved ones. And that's obviously what she chose to do. So we made our way back home to the Comox Valley. That's kind of when I asked, you've only got six months to a year you've been given. So, you know, what do you want? What do you want to do with that year? What is the final? 
final wish. She could do anything. I'd make it happen no matter really what it took. The only wish she mentioned to me was that she wanted to finally be my wife. It was quite amazing. And thanks to, you know, everyone around the Comox Valley, we got to have our special day, which was absolutely amazing. The next day, she just was having a hard time breathing. And that's when we decided maybe it's time for her to go to the hospital. I went down a really, really tough path at that point after we lost her only 11 days after the wedding. So July 14th, she passed away. It definitely was tough. I lost myself into addiction, drugs, alcohol, whatever I could do. I ran away to Alberta. I left everyone behind. I burnt every bridge. I lost a lot of friends through the process. I just didn't know how to grieve. Losing a loved one like that is something that a lot of people just really won't understand until it happens to them. And I mean, really, it destroys a human. It took a big toll on me. I knew there was still something missing. There was this something missing that I needed to do. And ultimately, I figured out that, you know, it's this foundation. You know, I, I want to help these people. I want to be there for these people that don't have that support. And that's why in March, you know, I said, I'm going to start this foundation. I don't care what it's going to take. I'll do it by myself if I have to. But one day and one dollar at a time, I'm going to make this grow. And I'm going to help people that just don't have anyone else. I know you talked about it a little bit about your time spending with Emily in the hospital. Uh, Since her passing, have you come across other people in similar situations and noticed that there is this massive gap in resources? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we're talking numbers, I would say close to nine out of 10 people at least have had cancer affect their life in some way or another, whether it be a brother, sister, cousin, uncle, aunt, grandparent, whoever it might be. And for some people, it is a spouse. And really, once you hit that age of 18 and you move on and everyone sees you as an adult, they expect you to be able to do everything for yourself and not need support, not need that extra help. And there's hundreds of amazing foundations and charities that help children. But, you know, there's no one helping the people I'm helping. I, I mean, I have so many people on my Facebook and other social media that have struggled through this, either themselves or a spouse or a close family member. And a lot of these people are doing it by themselves. They're going off to treatment. If they have to leave the area, you know, they're just kind of in hospital by themselves, no one there to support. It really creates a feeling of loneliness. Like they have no one else, no one else to go to. And love is so important when it comes to healing. If you don't have that love and that comfort of support, you, you really suffer for it physically and mentally. That love just really generates that hope within You mentioned after her passing, you were able to donate some of the funds to different organizations that were related. Is that really where the idea to create a foundation came from? When I seen what the outpouring was for me and Emily and how much money was just so generously donated to us and just services and other things, it really started to make me wonder like why I had to suffer, why she had to suffer like this. And the only thing they really have for support is government check. They'll put them on disability or something. But, you know, a lot of times you were making much more than that before you got ill. So you still have all these bills to pay. And I actually told Emily, you know, I'd really like to start a foundation and I'd really like to help more people. I don't want this to stop at you. She was definitely very supportive of that idea. One of the things that the foundation does, I understand, is that it helps accommodate family members as they undergo treatment and also to facilitate final wishes. Looking ahead for the next six months or year with the foundation, do you have some goals that you'd like to reach? 
Absolutely. As a foundation sits 10 years ago, I needed to come up with $30,000 in order to have a proper budget that we can use investments from in order to help people. And at the time I was just like, oh my goodness, there's no way I can come up with something like that. One of, you know, like to forget it, I can't do that. So I kind of walked away from it pessimistically, but ultimately in the next year, I'd like to raise at least $15,000. My goal is to get to $50,000, which will provide enough for me to be able to help at least one person with a decent wish and some really good accommodation backed. But I also want to raise another $7,500 this year and I want to help someone, even if it's just a small wish or even if I can just pay for a hotel for a month, whatever it takes, I just definitely want to do that. We're really starting with our first fundraiser in Courtney. It's going to be on May 14th at the Bottle Depot on Pontledge Road from nine to three. And we're going to do our first bottle drive. We're also going to be doing a silent auction from June 4th to June 11th. We have a lot of support for that already. I don't want to stop there. I got lots of ideas in the back of my head, you know, karaoke night, be some galas. In 2023, I want to have the first annual Emily Ann Foundation Gala. So like in the next year, I got a lot of plans. I got a lot of things that I want to accomplish for sure. In your vision of the foundation, how would people access the services that you want to provide? The great thing about the services I want to provide is I'm not looking to judge people or look through their financial histories. I don't care what color, age, race, whatever they happen to be. It really doesn't matter. But just reaching out to me through the website is really great to get a hold of us or find out what we have the ability to do. It's got a lot of information on there, but pretty much just email me, have a conversation with me. You know, I even encourage now we might not be in a position to help, but I've been through this. So I definitely encourage people to get a hold to me, reach out to me. I'm always open for a conversation, discussion. There's something that I can do. I will bend over backwards to do it. I don't really care what it takes. I, I get the shirt off my back if I had to. So it's definitely really important to me for people to know that you shouldn't be alone. And that's become a bit of my, my mantra. Like no one should be alone is kind of the tagline for the foundation, which I really, really believe that. And a lot of these people, that's how they feel. They're alone. And I just, I don't want them to feel like that anymore. What do you think Emily's reaction would be going forward, knowing that there is an organization that is really carrying her? legacy forward yeah for sure so i mean i mean off the bat she'd be very embarrassed she'd be blushing full red cheek but she would also be very humbled and happy very supportive of it i think honestly she'd be very proud of where we're at and what we really want to accomplish here and you know it's all being done in her name so i'm hoping for generations to come her legacy is going to live on and maybe inspire others she was such a free spirit and even to the last day she was so happy bubbly thank yous, laughing, everything. She was, it was amazing. And I finally got the opportunity to have a memorial tree planted for her with a plaque that's in Port Augusta Park in Comox, which is really amazing. It's finally a spot I can go and talk to her and others can go and talk to her. And another real real big thing I think she'd be proud of is our mascot, if you will, is basically a turtle. She was absolutely obsessed with turtles. One of the biggest things that we had is we actually had a turtle of our own. He's a Red-eared slider. He's 16 years old now, and he's actually sitting in the corner of my living room, so I do still have him. 
not a lot of people realize that it's a turtle that we have when we were together, but everyone always comments on it when we, they come into my house. Thank you so much, Sean, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything. That's this edition of Off the Page, produced by the Comox Valley Record. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for topics or guests, we would like to hear from you. Email us at offthepage at comoxvalleyrecord.com. Discover what's happening around our province with todayinbc.com. Sign up today to get the latest news right to your inbox and never miss the news that's important to you and your family. From community news in your neighborhood to what's happening in our province, your source for daily news is todayinbc.com.